Oh, I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in our spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. What is entering my heart? It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. That will be your testimony again today in Jesus' name. Amen. That is that the word will enter your heart. Amen. Say amen. amen. That will give you light. Amen. That will give you direction. Amen. That will give you direction. Amen. That will solve your confusion. Amen. That will heal you in every area. Amen. Listen, that there's nothing incurable. You will experience it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It will wake a dead kidney up. Amen. It will wake a dead, I know, pancreas or diabetes to wake it up. Amen. It will strengthen a weak heart. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. It will give strength to your bones. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As the word is coming forth, healing is entering into you. Amen. Even if you are listening to this on the internet or on device somewhere, the healing power. Listen, Elisha was dead. Somebody touched his bones. Listen, if the bone of Elijah can carry the anointing, the word that you are hearing through that device, through that phone, through the speakers in the car, it's transmitting the power of God. Amen. Objects like that transmit the power of God. I'm saying to you, the word that is coming is sending healing into your body. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Somebody that they have given up to die, cancer, HIV, whatever, will receive healing by hearing this word. Amen. Just be patient. Listen to this through and through. Healing is coming during the ministration. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you turn to somebody on your left and your right? Bless the person. So you are blessed, you are healed, you prospered. In the name of Jesus. Tell the person you are blessed, you are healed. You have overcome every affliction. In the name of Jesus. Alright, let's take our seats. Alright, so we are talking about the higher purpose for Christian prayer and what we have been talking about all this while is to help Christians understand that Jesus did not give us the power that he gave to us to be solving basic and mundane problems. There are more serious things happening in life than those basic things. Remember I said something last time, I just feel I should repeat it again. And that's the fact that when Jesus will speak to people, we have to understand his speech, his words, in the context in which he spoke. When he says whosoever, like we say, people used to say, just anybody know. He was talking to his disciples. He was explaining something to them. So when he says, ask the Father in my name, remember he wasn't talking to people that, he didn't preach it in the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't preach that on the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't preach where everybody was listening, even though they were disciples. Because you must understand that those who followed Jesus were in different categories. There was a multitude who followed him mostly because they wanted you know, to experience a pass on power. They wanted free food and stuff like that. Some out of curiosity, out of joblessness. Just say, oh, everybody's going that way, let us go too. That's what the Bible calls a multitude. Then there are the disciples. If you go and follow that closely, in that Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon of the Mount was preached not to the multitude, but to the disciples. He went higher and the disciples followed him. When he saw the multitude, he retreated. The disciples went further with him and then he opened his mouth and began to teach. 
But beyond that, he had an inner group of people. And those ones were closer. Now, not just because among the disciples, he had some closer people. Then among those ones, he now had the 12. And among the 12, he now had the 3. That's just the way it works. And among the 3, he now had 1. The one that used to put his head in his bosom, John. That's how close. There were different levels. You know, when you want to go and pray for Jairus' daughter, he would take only three. Peter, James, and John. When he wanted to go and meet Elisha, Elijah and Moses, he took those three people. They were the innermost of the inner caucus for him. So what he would say would depend on who he was, speak, he was speaking to. So when he talked to the twelve, the inner, I don't know whether just the twelve, but the inner caucus people, mostly the twelve and maybe a few people with them because some things, some people had to be there to be able to replace Judas. Remember that story? Okay. So he said some things to them. Those were the people he said to that he will ask the father in my name. Like I said last week, Peter knew they couldn't have been talking about fish because they left fish to follow him. Do you get the point here? So he was talking to Peter. He wasn't talking about ask the father for fish. He knew other things they had to ask the father for in his name. When he was discussing asking the father, he was talking about 12 legions of angels. So they understood that if we needed to ask the father for some things, we're talking about legions of angels. I'm not talking about basic food here. Those things, he said, they will be added automatically as long as you are following the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we Christians, we understand that the power of God is with us. The power of Jesus that he gave to us is not for mundane things. I said last time, we've spent a lot of spiritual energy solving little problems. They gave you a sledgehammer. You are using it to chase the flies in your house. They gave you a gun. And you say, any rat that crosses here, I will kill it. Nobody gives a gun to shoot rats. Do you get what I'm saying here? So the, what we have, the power to pray we have, is, is, is the power of God manifesting in our direction. It was not given to us to be chasing witches. I said last time that witches are the equivalent of flies spiritually. We don't use our big ammunition to be pursuing such things. So it's been a tragedy, really, for Christianity, for us to have spent so much energy pursuing things that Jesus categorically said to us we are not supposed to be pursuing. Let's bear that in mind. So that's why we've done this series to help us understand that there's a higher purpose for Christian prayer. And then we'll be talking about, uh, within this series, intercessors. What does it mean to be an intercessor? We explain that, you see, if God wants to do something, let me explain something again. Although I said it many times, just like emphasizing it. God is the ruler of the whole earth. Amen? He's the judge of the whole earth. That's a matter of fact. But then, it doesn't mean, and you know, Jesus said you err, not understanding the scriptures or the power of God. People used to try and explain that Satan is in charge. That's why things are upside down. That if God was in charge, really, you would not see children dying. You won't see wars. You won't see economic problems. What you just see is prosperity, peace, abundance. <laughs> Is we don't get it well. We don't understand what they say. You think that God just does exactly what He wills. I've explained there's a difference between the will of God and the decree or judgment of God. The judgment of God is based on many factors. The judgment of God is based on many factors. Factor number one is His will. Factor number two is the behavior of the people. Factor number three is the prayers of the people. Those three things are the most important determinants of the judgment or decree of God. If God wants people to do something on the earth, that what he desires is not, is not the only thing that he considers. He puts these other things together. Jesus will say things like, there are things I want to tell you, but you see, you can't bear them. So even though it's his will, 
It was his will to tell. But the fact that the people could not bear restrained his will from being done. When he gave some commandments to Moses, even though it was his will, he said in the beginning it was not so, Jesus told us. Male and female created them. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two of them shall become one flesh. And they said, but Moses permitted us to divorce our wives. Are you saying Moses was wrong? And if you go and read that context, it was God that dictated the commandment to Moses. It was not Moses himself. Is Jesus not contradicting Moses? Jesus said, no. It's because that what Moses said to you then, it was because of the hardness of your heart. That is when you say, I heard God, I've said it, please. Stop worrying yourself. I need to hear God. Listen, do what is right. I was telling my wife the other day, we were just talking. We were just discussing about things in the house. I said, I've realized again that God said, stop harassing me to talk. I have given you enough understanding to make right decisions. And in the midst of your circumstances, if you do the right things, if you make the right decisions, I will guide you into my will. Stop trying to, I know what God said to me. Nine times out of ten, when Christians say that it's a cop-out, they don't want to explain themselves. They are doing things that are unreasonable. They can't defend it. Irrational behavior. They say it's God said. I hope you don't know what I'm going to say here. So it's what we hear is tied to what you, the, the kind of heart you have. Israel could have bragged on it that it was God that said we should divorce our wives. You know, the other day, my wife and I were watching a program. We stopped into this BBC documentary. And it was interesting of how Islamic clerics in Iraq were actually pimps, a lot of them. Because they said in Islam, you are allowed to do what they call pleasure marriages. You can marry a woman for one hour and divorce after one hour. Like one woman said, one of the women there speaking, he said, at the end of the day, the, the girls realize they have become nothing but prostitutes with a religious gab. And you ask some of those men, he said, no, it is the law of Islam. <laughs> No people sometimes hear God according to the desire of their own hearts. I hope you're getting my point here. So the things that God says, they are not just what he wills. Many things are put together. That's what, that's what I'm going to explain. So for Moses and Israel, it was because of the hardness of their hearts. So the will of God does not change. But what he releases is affected by many things. So if God's will will be done on the earth, he says, I need people to walk with me. One of the things they do there are two main things they do. Well, a number of things. Let me not say two main things. But one of them is that they must pray. Another thing they do is to instruct people in righteousness. One of the ways that the church as a body, not just an individual, now all of us together, I'm doing my part, you're doing your part, all of us doing our part. One major assignment we have, if we want the will of God to be done on the earth, is to teach righteousness. Because no matter how much God wants to do something, if righteousness is not being practiced, he can't do those things. So after you have prayed, God only grants peace for people to be converted. Did you hear what I said? When you pray, God grants peace for conversion purposes. He doesn't grant peace so that people can stay in their iniquity and never leave it. He doesn't do that. He grants peace purely for the sake of conversion. The Prince of Peace, are you getting my point? What he does, you have to advance the knowledge of the Prince of Peace. So sometimes he gives you peace so that you can advance his knowledge. If you don't do anything about it while you have peace, listen to me, church. Persecution will come upon you. Prosperity will depart from you. That is the word of God. When God grants peace and prosperity to the church, if they don't advance the knowledge of the Prince of Peace, 
if they don't advance the knowledge of the gospel, if the glory of the gospel is not being propagated, listen, every time, he will withdraw his peace eventually and withdraw his prosperity. Normally, he withdraws it a little bit initially so as to wake them up to their responsibility. And they have some time to be converted. They have some time to change. So that's the second way by which the church advances the will of God on the earth. One, prayer. We're talking about prayer now. Two, they must, as a body, establish righteousness through teaching, through instruction, through evangelism, through propagation of the word, one way or the other. If they don't do those things, whatever peace you attain by prayer is only short-lasting. If it lasts a short while, then God will draw it again. Please, I hope you are following what I'm saying here. Okay, so for the will of God to be done, let's understand it. Three things I mentioned that affect what happens on the earth. One is the will of God. That's where we are heading towards. But some things reduce the impact of the will of God in the execution thereof. One of them is the way people behave. If they are walking on righteousness, they reduce the ability of God to do what he wants to do in their lives. That is one. And then number three, if they are not praying, so you can bring forth the will of God. That's why Jesus said, pray like this, thy will be done. If it was done automatically, it would not be a prayer point. We must pray the will of God as part of our prayer point. And that is the higher purpose for our prayer, actually. All right? When we are praying for ourselves, what we pray for is that God's will is established in our lives. That is Christ-likeness. Whatever it is we have to pray about, Christ-likeness must be developed constantly. We said the bread from heaven, Jesus said we should pray for. It's not food. He said don't, take, don't worry about those things. When they said pray like this, he was saying... There is a bread you need for each season. He told them, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. There is a bread that you need for each season. You pray about that. But now we're not talking about the principle of intercession. So, we pray the will of God, I was saying, into you know, um, existence. Yes, it's part of the things that we do. So, God gave us our assignment. So, we have, those, um, we have that duty. It's a higher purpose. Prayer was not meant to be played around with, chasing things that are mundane, fighting evil spirits that we call witches and whatever it is. That's not what prayer is for. It's for things that are more serious. Now, today I want to talk about the weapons of the intercessor. Now, these weapons may not be for intercession alone, but because we are talking about intercession today, I just want to bring up that issue about the weapons that the intercessor uses. Because sometimes what happens to people is that prayer appears like a difficult thing. Many times people, you know, you must understand, you may tell people to pray, but you don't teach them how to pray. That's why they came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. And that's what I want to do again today. We've said many things, but let's just bring out these issues. What are the weapons that we use for prayer? Let's just read this portion of the scriptures. Psalm 78, I just feel like starting with that, so that we understand that we have to be careful. Psalm 78. Be careful not to waste the power that God gave to us. Last time we talked about the fact that we must rise up and take up our jobs as intercessors. I want to read from verse um, 9. The sons of Ephraim were archers, equipped with bows. Yet they turned back in the day of battle. And as a result, they did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. Please notice this. The sons of Ephraim, standing for the nation of Israel there, they were armed. God gave them weapons. But when they saw battle, instead of them 
to do their duty and use their equipment, they turn back. Many times Christians have run away from the place of assignment. Do you follow my point? And they grumble. You know, we said it last time. Because we are, we understand that we have a purpose. I just feel like repeating that for a few minutes. Your tongue, I mean, if, you, if you're an ambassador, you don't say just what you like. You say only what reflects the position of the home government. I mean, I gave an example that somebody said, oh, sell these things, you'll make money. I said, oh, unfortunately, this was many years ago. I said, unfortunately, these are health products. And because of my natural training and my certification and license to practice medicine in Nigeria, I, it, it is unethical, it is immoral of me to sell herbal products. A lot of people don't know that. Because what's happening is that I am taking advantage of, what I do deliberately or not is besides the point. I'm taking advantage of the fact that I am licensed in the area of medicine to sell something that my training does not certify. So even though I sell sand, I tell people swallow the sand. They will say a doctor gave us this sand, it must work. <laughs> I hope I get my point. They will assume that there's something inside it that I learned in school. That's why I'm offering it. They will not know that my God is my belly. You, you get my point. So whether I, I like it or not, even though that business is making a lot of money, I'm not allowed. I told you something once in front of my hand. He's a Catholic, a devout Catholic, and he went to church on one Sunday like this. And one reverend father came to their church, and please, if you're a pastor or a minister, be careful what you sell. If I don't sell anything, do you follow my point? Mm-hmm. Just encourage people to go and do, the, do righteousness. So the reverend father came with a lot of products, and I was showing it to them. This one melts fibroids. <laughs> this one kills the, this one kills the herbal products. And my friends, a colleague of mine, on the seat, he was there fuming. Fuming. After a while, he could not take it anymore. He put up his hand, demanded to be recognized. And the host reverend called him to come forward. He collected the microphone, angrily pointed at the visiting reverend for that telling something. I said, you, you are a dangerous man. He dropped the microphone there and went back to his seat. <laughs> he didn't say any other thing. Everybody got the point. When he got back to his seat, everybody gave him space. They, they, <laughs> they moved back. That this one that had this boldness to challenge the Reverend Father. <laughs> they gave him space. But you see, God just planted him there for that moment. That man was abusing his office. He did not recognize it. If you are wearing white on, in a church on a Sunday like that, Teach righteousness and leave it there. You can't be selling GNLD or forever living products. You will go to hellfire. You, you understand what I mean? <laughs> no, but it's right. It's wrong. It's very, very wrong. You don't do such things. All right? We don't do such things. So we have to be careful. All right? I said our calling in life puts certain restraints on us. We are believers. Two things we said last time. We are ambassadors and we are intercessors. For that reason, we are careful what we say with our mouths. It's not everything we say. No matter how we feel. No matter how we feel. Let me say that again. It doesn't mean we don't have funny feelings. We do. But we never alter according to our feelings. It's called putting the body under. That is what putting the body under is. That is when the body wants to say something, you say, body, sorry. You can't. I know that's how you feel. But from headquarters, this is what has been said. So things are said and things happen in our nation because we know our position. We are intercessors. We are ambassadors. We don't respond like Fela would have responded because his own response was dictated by the size of the wrap of weed that inhaled the night before. You understand what I'm saying? 
<laughs> we don't respond the way. And, and let me just say something. Another, a lot of people they just respond according to what is popular, not according to what is true. They have they, they have to increase the number of followers they have on social media. So they say things people want to hear. They say things people want to hear. If you say other things, people will not buy your newspaper. They will not follow you on social media. So a lot of people will join, you know, the group of activists. They just join. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. The, the government is bad. Yeah, government is bad. Yeah, kill them, kill them. Yeah, 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 yeah. They just keep talking. Allow unbelievers to do that. You are a Christian. Like some of the pastor courage will say. He said, you must understand everybody has his, jo- his job. Say the job of the opposition is to oppose. Am I lying? That's why you see, you know, sometimes people will pull newspapers and see the things that PDP is using now to criticize APC. They were the things that they were doing maybe 10 years ago. Then what APC is doing now, they will pull it out and show, look, look, guys, this was what you used to criticize PDP 10 years ago. That's exactly what you are doing now. Don't be surprised. Anger lies in the bosom of fools who have said it. We all have understanding we are not fools. That they are doing their job. The job of opposition is to do what? To oppose. Even if you are doing what is right, they must oppose you. But we are not in opposition, we are Christians. We are not opposition, we are intercessors. So when it's time to oppose, we, we don't speak. If we have nothing to say, we keep quiet. Then we go and pray. We go and pray. You know what? God answers prayers. He does. The problem is, you know, he said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That has been the problem. That has been the problem. Will he find faith on the earth? Many times we don't pray sincerely. We pray as a habit. That is why we will leave church after praying for the nation. Then we'll be driving from church to the house. We are there tearing the government to pieces. Yet if we are the ones that need something, we need healing, we'll be confessing the word on our bodies every day. If we need money, we'll be confessing that I have divine supplies in the name of Jesus. All things are working together for my good. If you are an intercessor, you turn that ability to confess in another direction and say all things are working together for the good of this nation. In this government, the wisdom of God is working. You will declare the wisdom of God by force. That's your job. Everybody has his job. It doesn't mean the man in power knows everything. Who knows everything? It doesn't mean everything is right he's doing. And let me tell you something. Everything that is wrong that he's doing is, is your opinion. Do you hear what I said? <laughs> One day we're talking about our brothers here. When our current state first came into power some years ago. So we're talking about, it's a boy, listen, listen, you know me. Be careful what you say around me. He said, okay. He said, sir, okay. What I expect him to do. I said, what do you say? He said, what I thought he would do. I said, say that again. What I expect him to do. I said, wait. Should I tell you what I expected him to do? Should I ask the driver of this vehicle what he expected him to do? I said, by the time he's done, you ask 100,000 expectations from 1 million people. So you see, whichever way Whichever one he does, he must be wrong in the assessment of most people. So we don't worry about that. What do we do? We do our own duty. We take matters up to God in prayer. As a matter of, as a matter of fact, you know, you can pray about everything and God will attend to them. What I mean is this. You can see on our streets, power is not constant. Yet, just across the, the, the town, they have better power. What's wrong with us here? Because that is the problem with EEDC. This privatization they did under your passenger, I don't know who did that. That is the problem. There's no equity in it. Equity is lacking. You know, that is, that is earthly talk. Let me add one word, Solomon's word. That's foolish talk. That's foolish, that is angry talk of foolish people. 
Why is there no power in your area? You don't know. You know some, some of our brethren were staying in one area one time. They, they went to the power people. They said, listen, that area. One man said, I think he said, I live there too. There, is, there will not be power. He told them straight, don't worry about it. There won't, there won't be power. Why? He said, you yeah, don't pay bills. <laughs> the people in your area, they don't pay. We lose a lot of money pumping power to you people. So we have sent the power elsewhere. They said, go and find Go and find a house somewhere else. That we don't make money from that area at all. Now the point I'm making is that so there might be issues beyond your control. Do you know God answers prayers? If you look in that area and say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I bring this matter to you. And God plants us in different places so as to have a reason to solve problems for people. You know, I, the other day, earlier today, I was studying the book of Jonah. Don't ask me why I was studying Jonah, alright? I just went there and I was reading Jonah. And I <laughs> You no, know, sometimes you're, I don't know why I was reading. Jonah just came upon me. I just started reading Jonah. And I read, you know, very nice, very beautiful. I got a lot of revelation from those four chapters. Beautiful book. And I, something struck me when I read Jonah again today. That God was reluctant to destroy Nineveh. He didn't want to. He was going to, but he didn't want to. He was going to. So he sent Jonah to them. And Jonah, understanding his reluctance, Said, I'm not going to go. So he went to Tashish and found himself in the belly of a fish. And a fish finally delivered him at the mission post. So he reluctantly went to Nineveh and said, 40 days hence, and you guys are dead meat. And everybody heard. And then they repented. And Jonah was very angry because nothing bad happens to them. And God called Jonah. And said, Jonah, you are angry, you are unhappy because ordinary plants died. It was a plant that died in the process. He said, if a plant will make you unhappy, think about the multitude that live in Nineveh, of which he gave a, he gave a particular number, 120,000, that did not know they are left from their right. That's what God said. He said, let's not count the animals. You are counting one plant. Animals are more valuable to me than plants. Now, beyond animals, people. So you see, God was reluctant. It's all, it's, that's how he is. The Bible says he is slow to anger. However, Nineveh was going to be destroyed despite his reluctance. So he took measures to make sure his will was done. So they did something. They prayed. What am I trying to say? You may find problem, problem in a particular area, different kind of problems. God wants it solved. So he planted you, he planted me in the midst of the problem. He wanted to bless people in that neighborhood. Like we said the other time, that number one, reasons, the, the number one reason he listens to prayer is who said the prayer. That's number one reason. Who said the prayer? It's called righteousness. That is the meaning of righteousness. Righteousness is the ability to pray and God listens. That is the attribute in people that moves God. That's what the Bible calls righteousness. So it looks for somebody who has believed. And plants that fellow in the midst of trouble. And he says, I don't want to destroy everybody, but I will. But I planted you here so that you'll be touched with the feeling of their infirmities. Then you will ask me for mercy. And my judgment will be stayed. Sometimes the trouble comes in different areas. Sometimes I hear that ah, burglars are always going from one house to the other. Robbers, kidnappers, or fire accidents here and there. Like we mentioned power. Not little things like this. And then you prayed, you know, you prayed. 
before you went to get, get a house. You now got a house in a place. First thing like, God, where were you? But I asked you for this. You don't realize you've been put in a mission post. So God said, fine, that which you have asked me for, I will do. But I want you to ask me to do it where you are right now. Why? I want to bless people. There are many people in Nineveh, you know what we're saying, that don't know they are left from their right. Let's bless them too. But we cannot bless them except they learn to do what is right. So what we will do is bless you and your blessing will spill on them. That's the power of the intercessor. That's the way it works. That is the way it works. That is why, listen, don't just get up and run. In life, you don't just get up and disappear. And then Nigeria, Nigeria, Nigeria is bad. Listen, of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. So this country must be collected. So it is bad. God says, okay, so what are you going to do about it? I'm going to go away to where it is good. God says, Demas has departed from me. Having fallen in love with Australia, North America, Europe. He has now abandoned, she has abandoned the people in their destruction. Meanwhile, you are supposed to be a savior and a champion. That's a lot of reasons. You are getting the point again. So that's how Christians are. We are intercessors. So we're talking about the weapons that we use. Remember. Now let's go over that again. So the sons of um, Ephraim, not realizing that, they turned back in the day of battle. Meanwhile, they had the weapon. Prayer is a weapon. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, there's power in it. So instead of us sitting down and complaining, God say, employ, don't be like the sons of Ephraim who in the day of battle, even though they were armed. I gave them righteousness. I gave them instruction. I gave them the word. I gave them the things to say, to move my hand, but they decided to run away. I said, well, what are they doing? They are breaking my covenant. They are breaking the reason why I gave them life. They are not fulfilling their destinies. Let me say this to us again. Your destiny, listen, number one thing that will take you away from your destiny is comfort. The love of comfort is the number one thing that takes Christians away from their destiny. Destiny is often entered into through hardship. I hope you're getting my point. When God wanted to send Joseph into his destiny, you know what he did? He took him away from his father's house. So your father has spoiled you. Let me, unspo- let me repair you. The day the repair started, he fell into a ditch. If you know what I mean. And they pulled him out into slavery. It was, it's a slave for years. It was comfortable in slavery. God said, this comfort is too much. So look for one Mrs. Potiphar. One stupid girl in the neighborhood. Say, marry Mr. Potiphar. She did. And the spirit possessed her. His spirit of lust. God said, who shall entice Joseph to go to prison? One spirit said, I will. <laughs> How will you do it? I will possess Mrs. Potiphar. He's a man of righteousness. He will not agree. Then she will lie. Two spirits, actually. One, the spirit of lust. The other one, the spirit of lying. False accusation. Two of them possessed the woman and sent Joseph to prison. God said, good. Now he can enter into destiny. If you think prison was comfortable, why was he negotiating with the guys that when, you, when they release you, remember me? <laughs> he wanted to go home, too. God said, don't worry. This is how you will enter into your destiny. It's from here you will step into it. Listen, I've said it before. Christians will reason differently. Without faith, we have no understanding. He said, by faith, we understand. If we don't have faith, we have no understanding. Everything that happens to us, the first thing we do is to look for the understanding of God inside it. So in the funnest of affliction, I have chosen you. It's in the midst of trouble, God saying, hey, let's talk. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point here. 
Number one reason Christians miss their destiny is just looking for where comfort is, where life is smooth, everything is easy. Listen, this life is very short. Too. If you like, live to be 120 years. It's still a short time. It's a very short time. Believe me, 120 years will pass like this. But eternity has not even started. Let's start living with eternity in mind. That's a matter of fact. Let's start living. You can't be living for your stomach. You can't be. You can't be living for comfort. It's, that's not Christianity. Christianity is the ability to die for a greater thing. Do you get my point? That's what Jesus did. Let's look at those weapons we're talking about of the intercessor. That is, how do you bring the power of God into places? First thing, I'll just give you the names, and then we'll look at a, 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 look at a few scriptures. There are three of them. While I was meditating, I put together. We'll just look at those three, and then we'll use them to pray. Now, I was saying something earlier. Prayer does not have to be hard. A lot of people don't know what to do. That's why prayer, why prayer looks difficult. Listen, when you are praying with your understanding... There are basically three things you use to pray. These are the weapons I'm talking about. One, you pray with the name of the Lord. That's number one. The first weapon is what? The name of the Lord. That's the first weapon. You see what I mean by the name of the Lord in a moment. I am talking about the character of God. If you don't understand the character of God, prayer is impossible. You must realize there is a God of mercy for you to be able to pray for mercy. When Moses wanted to pray for the people of Israel, his prayer was hard until he understood God and God introduced himself to Moses. When God had introduced and explained himself to Moses, he said, I'm the compassionate God, slow to anger, abandoning loving kindness. That was what he used, pardon me to use the expression, to trap the Lord into sparing Israel when they sinned. Yet he told him, after all, the Lord is compassionate. The Lord is merciful. He is slow to anger. Yes, I know they have sinned, but you are slow to anger. Do you follow my point? And that is why we study. We must know God. Do you follow my point? We must know him. We must be exposed to the word of God so we can be effective as intercessors. I'll give some practical examples in a moment. Please go and get our series, The Seven Names of God. I discussed that then. To explain that God has a name. Look, he has a name in every situation. And that is what you are looking for when you want to pray. The name of God. Because one thing you must understand is the Bible expects us to invoke that name. In this situation, what you do is to invoke the name of God. Now listen, let me say this again and explain it that time. If you look, listen to that series, Seven Names of God. It's not, the name is not Greek. It's not Hebrew. When we're in school, people sat down. Teachers sat down and compiled for us the seven names, the twelve names, different names of God. They didn't say seven, or I was under you seven in my own teaching. But they said twelve names of God: Jehovah, Shekinu, Jehovah, No, Jireh, Shalom, Megedishki, Shammah. They had a number of them. Anyone, it had to be Hebrew. When I became an older person, I drew the way with childish things, like speaking Hebrew. <laughs> I realized that. Do you know, preachers are funny. I've heard preachers tell me before that the way God... Anyway, what the guy said in effect, that Hebrew is what angels speak. That's a summary. Basically, that Hebrew is a language of heaven. You know, I look at the preacher like, bros, let's take this gospel seriously. This thing is... <laughs> you know, 
in, honestly, when you see, you're like, what? Are you serious? That's supposed to be a joke? Hebrew is what they speak in heaven. Oh. Listen, they speak different things in heaven. How do I know? Say, even though I speak in tongues of angel, not tongue of angel. Angels speak anything they like. They just come and say, today, kaklo, klo, klik, klak, ko, tomorrow is it, ta, tu, 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 They say anything they like. They understand each other. <laughs> The Bible says, even though I speak in tongues of men or tongues of angels. Don't worry. The way they speak, they, I don't know. Anyway, I, I did the way you challenge Don't speak Hebrew. We can use it to sing in church. When I'm at home, don't call God by any Hebrew name. The first name we call him is God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is first, that is fundamental name. Then inside that, you now start decoding different parts of his character. And the name of God are sentences and descriptive sentences of his nature, his authority, his character. For example, he will say he's a governor among the nations. That's the name. You hear someone like Abraham say, with the judge of the whole earth, do you understand? Not do what is right. That's the name. The judge of the whole earth. One of my favorite, he said, he is the, he is the God that makes barren women dwell in the house as joyful mothers of children. That sentence is a name. God who delights in the prosperity of his servant. That is a name. So don't, don't cram a few Hebrew words. By the time you are learned 15, now you feel like a, a specialist in the names of heaven. <laughs> his names are plenty. The ones we mentioned, of course, they are part of it. The, the, no, he's the Lord of hosts. I hope you know what that means. So let me tell you what it means. It means that if you see an army, physical army in front of you, you should not be afraid. Because your Lord has his own armies. So that's, if you read modern translation, he said, the Lord of the heavens armies. He has soldiers, angels, and they fight. That's the meaning. I hope you're getting my point. So when we are praying, one thing we do, and we should understand that, I just feel like reading this particular scripture, to show that you invoke the name of God. And that's one thing we must do. We invoke his name. That was a, um, God was speaking to Moses, giving him instructions on what to tell Aaron. Numbers chapter 6. So the first weapon we have is the name of the Lord. You see what he said here. I, what I just want is that word invoke. I just want to bring it you know, from there. He said from verse 27, from verse 22. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and to his sons. This is what you will say to them. Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance on you and give you peace. In answer in verse 27, it says, so they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel. He said, and I then will bless them. Did you notice that? That's verse 27. He said, by doing that, they will invoke my name on the sons of Israel. That is, they will bring my name on, on, on those people. Once I taught from this particular area, they were not saying, it was not a prayer like, uh, may, some Bible may use the word, may the Lord bless you. No, it was not a prayer. They were invoking the name of God. What, they, what he was saying, what they will be saying to those people of Israel is that, your blessing is coming from the Lord. That is, the, is the Lord the blesser. I hope you're getting my point here. That the Lord is your keeper. 
the face of the Lord is shining upon you. What they are doing is that they explain to the people that everything you are looking for in life, it comes from the Lord. He said, when you can get the people to focus their attention on me as a source of their blessings, then I, in turn, will come and do what? And bless them. It wasn't a prayer like, may the Lord bless you. No. They were saying to the people of Israel, look at me. The Lord is the one that will bless you. And those ones will say, Amen. That is what they are saying, that your job will not bless you. The police will not keep you. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. The weather is not what will shine upon you. Economic situations is not the reason for your increase. That's what they were saying. And people will just say, Amen. Each one you say, they will say, Amen. So if you can get them to look away from every other thing and look to me, then I will come and bless them. Basically, you are invoking my authority upon their lives. So I want to pray about situations. And you know everything here is, oh, Jesus spoke to a tree. The tree rapidly heard. And Jesus said, you can speak to a mountain. And the mountain will hear. So we can also speak to a situation and invoke the name of the Lord upon it. Let me give you a very practical example. Election is coming up, right? Just as an example. Now, there are different ways we can pray. Of course, depending on what we are praying about, okay? But let us just take an example. I want to pray about the the person that will come into power. Let us look at the gods that people serve. The god of campaign. Yes. The god of popularity. The god of cash. Who can buy more votes? Who can entice more people? Who can, you know, some people go and say, okay, don't worry. Just keep the cash there. Let's even forget this one of uh, the popular votes. Primaries. You know primaries is where there's no voters card in primaries. You know that? It's just the party. One of those primaries I had, that listen, guys, all the delegates, their money was in US dollars. And I don't mean $100, $5,000, $7,000, $10,000, depending on your level. That's the god of money. It's called mammon. People worship it also for election. Now, Christians make this mistake. I've heard them many times. Say, these people, they are so powerful. There's nothing you can do. Why? Because they've checked it. There may be, as there are 1,000 delegates. Please excuse me. Even if it's two $2,000. $2,000. Oh, no, it's not 2,000 because these guys are giving 5,000. So you got to give your own 5,000. $5,000 times 2,000 delegates. How much is that in? Is that not $10 million? And you have not finished settling everybody. And then you say, God spoke to you to run for that office. I won't tell you which office. They will not scare you. See, the men have gathered, you know, the Ethiopian and the Lubim, a great army. They've gathered dollars against you. Let me tell you how Christians, either you are contesting or you are not contesting. What you do is that, you know, I mentioned the name of the gods. Popularity, campaign, cash. Those are the gods. But then what do you do? You invoke the name of the God of heaven. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You invoke into the situation. So how do you pray? It's not, Father, in the name of Jesus, all my enemies. They say, no, that one is gyration. Real Real prayer is simple. You open the scriptures. You see things like heaven's rule in the affairs of man. You read that one again. Anytime you want to pray about the situation, 
Just say it is God in heaven that rules in the affairs of man. He appoints whomsoever he wishes. He sets upon the kingdoms of man the lowliest of them all. You just declare that. What are you doing? You are invoking the name of God over that election. Now, whether you are contesting, you are not contesting, that's the job you have. But you know, Christians will sit down a lot of times and gather. They've wrote, there's no democracy in this country. Where is the, where is the democracy in this earth? There's no democracy in this country. Any man that doesn't have their kind of money, he cannot contest and cannot win. I hear pastors say this, that it is we that gather and elect the leader that we want. God does not interfere. He respects our choice. Now, if we all say it as a nation, God will walk to one side and, you know, the way he behaves, he will give us the worst ruler. That is, he say, give them a very, first, he will make sure the ruler is very popular. All of you will vote for him. Then he will give him to you and be watching everybody. I say, if any one of you pray about governance in the next four years, that will be a cause for punishment. So enjoy your soul. No, we're not allowed to do that. No matter what we are saying, what do you do? You invoke. That's what I'm talking about. You invoke the name. And it's not just, oh, God the healer. We're talking democracy here. It's an election. You're talking about God the healer. <laughs> we're not saying it does not heal, but that's not what we're discussing. You know, on, on this earth, men serve all kinds of gods. They have God of this, God of, you know, uh, you know, when they farm, there's a God for rain. There's God for the productivity of the land. They have all kinds of gods. Egypt had all of them. What, 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 what God was doing that time, when he had to go through ten plagues, was to let everybody know that he's, he's, the God, he's all of those gods in one. That's him. I don't know whether I get my point. They had the God of the Nile. God said, no, no. Let me show you that you don't have any God of the Nile. The Nile is mine. The earth is the Lord's and the rivers thereof. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. So that's what he did. They had gods shaped like toads, frogs. So they had a frog god. God said, no, 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 you don't understand. The frogs are mine. So let me show you. <laughs> he whistled and all the frogs gathered. Oh, yeah, worship your god to scatter them. And they could not. Finally, they sent for Moses. Say, bros, how far now? What can you do for us? You are tired of the frogs, seriously. You let the people go. Why not? Just let the frog go first. God said, don't worry, he will not let them go. But at least I have proven to him, I'm the God of the frogs. Because they are my creatures. Do you follow my point here? All animals are mine. That's what the Lord does. So what he does, let, look, I said something last time, I said, listen, God did all of those things so that all of us will know him. They were written, it was like they were acting the drama in quote for us to read now. So all those gods people are worshipping, for a time of election in a country, you have to cast down those gods and invoke the name of the true God. I'm talking about intercessors. So if they say election is coming up in a country, don't be there and say, what, what, who, I mean, it's just who are in power. They have chosen who they want. And no one guy wants to say, look, it's the caucus. Once the, caucus, the carcass, it calls the carcass. Once the carcass has the, the, the agreed, anytime it's like I say, you say it again, you say it again. <laughs> He said, Chief, I know what I'm telling you. The carcass. Once the carcass, he said, if you're not a member of the car, those are statements intercessors don't make. When it comes to that time, what you just do? He said, let us pray. He's not, ha ha, Father, in that name. First, listen, this is how you start. Let us, you know what? Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father, 
what in heaven? What's the next line? Hallowed be thy name. We will hallow his name in that situation. Say, election is coming, but we know there is no God apart from you. You appoint the leaders. We can all go out to vote. That's our problem. You are the governor amongst the nations. Once you declare that regularly, you are the governor amongst the nations. You are praying. It's called invoking the name of God. You are the governor amongst the nations. Let me quickly drop something for us believers again. Let's be careful. We did a series the other time on it again. Let's be careful that we don't bring down the name of God and levate another God. Remember we talked about the third commandment. That shall not take the name of the Lord thy God and do what? And place it on a vain thing. That was what that commandment said literally. He <laughs> said, that shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. He said, no, don't say, ha, ah, oh, Jesus, you're taking it in vain. I'm not taking it in vain. I'm calling him. I'm in trouble, man. Come on, help me out here. <laughs> no, that's not what it means. When he said, that shall not take the name of the Lord thy God for a vain thing. That's literal Hebrew. What does that mean? Idols are vain. Don't ascribe to them the glory due to the Lord our God. Never forget this thing. Like I say all the time, you can jog if you want to jog. Jogging is good. If you jog, you will be able to jog more. <laughs> to him that jogs, more shall be joggy. Are you getting my point? <laughs> that is all it does for you. It makes you able to jog some more. If you jog one kilometer today, tomorrow you'll be able to jog one kilometer and 50 meters. After one year, you'll be running marathon. <laughs> and it's good. It's very good to run marathon. I don't know where you're running to, but nothing wrong with it. But don't, it, don't let it ever cross your mind that it will give you a long life. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. He said, how many of you, by going for jogging lessons, can prove? <laughs> Is that not what he said? So how many of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to the length of your life? So I tell you, let's understand what jogging does. It's in the Bible like that. Physical exercise has only a little profit. Don't, don't think, look, if you think this now, hmm, they did not, the data did not exercise. Listen, Olympics was invented that time. Those men knew how to run. And Paul used them to explain how athletes discipline themselves. He said they run for a wreath because then they did not have gold medals. They just put a special wreath on your head. Yet he said, jogging has only what? A little profit. He said, godliness is profitable unto all things, including that one that you got from jogging. What am I going to say? Let us be careful. You cannot, listen to me, you can't jog your life into a long life. That one is in the hand of God. Don't take the name of the Lord, our God, and place it on physical exercise. Don't place it on your diet. They've interviewed many people that live long. They say all kinds of rubbish. One woman was asked, she was very old, 100 and something, she said, what's your secret for long life? He said, avoid men. He said, men are very wicked, they will kill you. That all her life she kept away from them. So if you say she got results, okay. 
How do you want to explain that? I'm telling you a true story. True story. I'm not making it up. You know, I read all kinds of things. They interfered with the man. He said, no. He has found out that the reason people don't live long is because of men. So just keep away from men. And that woman, the one, that one that died last year, the oldest woman in the world, when she, they, they didn't give the, the recipe for her own long life. But one thing she did not do was to eat a healthy diet. She ate pasta and meat. She did not eat vegetables. She hated fruits. And lived to be the world's oldest woman by the time she died. All the things they don't, if you eat this one, if you eat this one, you see all kinds of jobless people who will be collecting people's money in town. Alkaline water. <laughs> have you seen that one? If you have paid money for it or you are selling it, don't wait. I want to pray for it. God, forgive the foolishness. The Lord will forgive you. He will not take it against his ignorance. That was your problem. You take God's money to buy alkaline water. If he sends your toenail to hellfire now, you say, why is it being wicked to you? People have gotten to all kinds of a keto diet. The one that annoys me the most, that one is blasphemy. It's hallelujah diet. Yeah, that one is blasphemy. You know why I call it blasphemy? Oh, it's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. That one is directly taking the name of the Lord thy God and placing it on the diet. You literally. Name of hallelujah. He's praised the Lord. Hala to Jah. The name of God is there. Put a diet and call it hallelujah. The Lord forgive you too in Jesus' name. This is the day of forgiveness. All the iniquity of carrying God's name and throw it into strange places. Anyway, let's get back to our message. So intercessors, what do we do? We invoke God's name into every situation. That's one way we pray. Never forget it. You want to pray about a situation? Gather all the scriptures you can about God's name. And just be reciting it. I just give that one, that example of um, election in the country. You want to pray for somebody for divine health? Just gather all the scriptures. Everything that God has said to show that he is the one. You're not saying anything. No. You're not saying, Lord, I pray for this person. You just start, you just start declaring it in the name of Jesus. He's the Lord. You understand? He's a healer. He's the Lord, our doctor. You're just declaring that name. You have not made any request yet, too. I did look Christians every day. Just carry God's name, eh? And just sprinkle it around. You want to pray for the country? Just write all kinds of things. Just to show that he's the governor. He's the ruler. There are scriptures that, that, there are things that sometimes look, appear bad. It's good you still read them. Because you see, there's one particular scripture. I keep mixing it up. In which God points Israel. And they sat down and said, not he. Did you hear what I said? They sat down and said, all our problems is not God. Sometimes part of prayer is to say, God, it is you. That is, when you say you, you mean that our sins, you are the one judging our sins. Like the Bible says, you have brought our sins into the light of your countenance. That is why we are where we are now. Sometimes when there is trouble, it's just to read it out. What, what are you trying to say? You are trying to say, God, it is not poor hygiene. It is not something special that we did, you know, physically speaking. It is that we have disobeyed the Lord our God. What, that's what they're just trying to say. What, you know what you are saying, therefore? Remember what, what that happened to David? After David sinned, 
And, and they said, what do you want? He said, three days in the Lord's hands. Why? He said, because he's merciful. If you think bacteria is the cause of your problems, when will you plead to bacteria to stop afflicting you? Sometimes I just want to explain. That's why I am angry a lot of times when Christians magnify the devil so much. So people that should be repenting are rebuking. Sometimes I will just do, just, listen, it's one weapon of intercession just to take the name of God and just spread it around. For example, there's inflation, there's poverty in the land. You read scriptures like, the Lord broke the staff of bread. You have not prayed about the conditional. You are just saying what? The Lord broke the staff of bread. The Lord gave the water of privation and, no, the bread of affliction and the water of privation. Because these are things he did to Israel. And he was angry with them when they said, not he. Elijah said, why don't you say, where is God my maker? I hope you're getting my point here. Weapon number one for intercessors is the name of the Lord. Just invoking that name. You've not made any request. You've not said anything. You are just trying to say, devil, you don't have a part in my life. Stay back. You don't control this nation. Stay back. You don't control the church of God. Stay back. You don't control my community. Stay back. You don't control our church. Stay back. I hope you're getting my point here. You, now notice what I've said so far. You have not even made any requests. You are just declaring the name of the Lord. And you are saying the power belongs to him. Do I need to tell you how many of us behave in today's Christianity? The power belongs to the witch. The power belongs to ancestral curses. The power, be, you know, we have given the power to work. What am I saying? Just collect God's power and give it back to him in your life. He never lost his power. It's your ability to recognize it I'm talking about. Let me say it again. We're ambassadors, we're intercessors. There are statements we don't make even if we are joking. There's no king maker on this earth. They just think they are. I was talking to one of our brothers. He's very involved in government and all of that, you know, the other day. And he said something. In fact, we had a nice discussion. He was talking about one particular chief executive somewhere. He said, ah, you know, they did not do this at that time because of fear that, you know, people will not vote the next time. He said, but him, oh, he has come to realize it's the power God gave you today that you have. Oh. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you getting my point? That you can't, you can't be sure next one is coming. So do whatever God places in your hand today. And I was telling him that, look, listen, a lot of people don't understand some things. That, listen, it is God. And that, if you're a Christian, listen to this. At least if you're involved in such things. Don't ever, if you're ever in power, don't make any plans about the next one. Jesus says, sufficient unto the day is evil thereof. Don't be afraid to offend people because they won't vote for you next time. You know, one man I like in this country, many people may not like him, but I personally like him. He's Nasir Erufai. I like that guy. And I have my reasons for it. I'll tell you my reason. In all this, in all this Christian political talk, I don't get involved in it. It gets me angry. Last election, he chose a Muslim and a woman as his running mate. Kaduna is one of those places where you want to balance the power, Christian and Muslim. So normally, the running mates are from the southern side 
and they are Christians. He said something which I was so excited when I heard it. He said, you were not planning to vote for me before, so what difference will he make? I said, this man is a man of God. Though. Forget what he was saying. He told them flat. Look, you were not planning to vote for me before, so I choose whoever I want. That this woman, as far as I'm concerned, is the best candidate. That, to him, that's final. I don't, the rest of you don't like, don't vote. And you know, normally governors don't do anything bad in the first tenure. Erufa, once he entered, he, he, he didn't wait for first tenure. First week, he carried his bulldozer. <laughs> the guy destroyed houses. He, you know, that thing he did in Abuja. He got to Kaduna and did it. You build your house anyhow, you just remove the front, the front fence for you. So you move the house back, shift them back. <laughs> Some people had owned their houses for 15, maybe, I don't know, about 20 years. But he pulled the whole house down. Why? He said, who gave you the land that belonged to a secondary school? You know, government schools used to have a lot of land. People have carved the land. They don't share around. Built on it. Every fire started, vroom, 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 vroom. Everybody moved. Removed all the houses. And put the fence of the school back. I said, this is where the school fence reaches. Thank you very much. First tenure. Say, if you like, don't vote for me. I like that guy. You know, he's a man of God. You know? He said something the other day that made me laugh. This was before he became anything, that, that time he was Abuja minister. He said they should go and check it that nobody in his family lives long. Yes. That he's not planning to live very long. So all these threats people are making, it's nothing new. <laughs> he said openly that they should go and check that your father did not live long, his uncles don't live long. Nobody. You know, if he's Christian, they'll be breaking the power of ancestral causes that they it's only that while I'm alive, let me do what I'm supposed to do. That's why I like him. What I've told is the reason why I like the man. I wish Christians would behave like him a lot of times. He's made statements that you see, it makes some of us ashamed of what Christians say. He said, they said that, he was one that made a statement. And he said, the problem with Nigeria is that uh, we are so diverse, many ethnic groups. And he said, listen, that the most unstable country in Africa is Somalia. Said they are almost all from the same ethnic group and they are mostly Muslims and they speak one language. He said, What are you telling me? He said, Somalia, they are 90% Muslims, more than 90%. They are almost all from the same ethnic group. They speak the same language. He said, So that our diversity cannot be our problem. Because if that was the problem, why is Somalia having problems? He made statements. He said, good men won't run for office, so James Ibori will become governor. That's what he said. I'm not the one that said it. Though. <laughs> he, he, you know him? It be funny. He, I said, the man had a touch like this. He mentioned the man's name openly. He said, the rest of you are running up and down. Come and contest. He said, we need good people in political offices. He said, when all of you good men have run away, then we have no choice to put, but put all the crooks there. I said, some people have, you know, when you see God using some people, is that, are you seeing the reason? He said, my children, the sons of Ephraim, even though they were armed, they've run away. Listen, let's give God his glory. Election time, give him his glory. I've seen him do things again and again. Unlikely people, he put them in power. There's one man ahead of a run for um, one of these federal legislative houses. 
from one part of Nigeria, I won't tell you which part. And he managed to, I, I think they rigged him out or something, or something. I can't remember whether he won the first round or they rigged him out. But anyway, the thing landed before the election tribunal. And his opponents had money, but he did not have. But he had God. So he went to church and reported to the brethren, see what is going on. They're about to deny me of this thing that the Lord has given to me. So brethren said, no problem. Let us, let us pray to the Lord. They didn't have money. You know, Peter said, silver and gold, we do not have. But it doesn't mean we don't have anything. He says, such as we have. Let's use that one. Let's let, watch it do what silver and gold cannot do. So those guys, apparently from what they told, from what the gist we had, they had, they had bribed heavy. They had, they had, you know, the man's gift to make room for him. Their own gift has made room for them. Because they just watch me, all of you, watch me, watch me. I think a week or two before the tribunal was to declare his judgment, there was one crisis somewhere. The president of appeal court said, enough is enough. He dissolved all the tribunals, reconstituted them, and told them to start the proceedings again. And since that money they don't pay, I know she said the thing get received, so reform go hard. <laughs> and of course, this time around, the new people they brought, those ones knew that all eyes were on them. So they sat down, judged the case on merit, and declared him the winner. And they reported in his duty post in Abuja. True story. The power belongs to whom? God. Intercessors. Our first weapon is what? The name of the Lord. Our job is to invoke that name into every situation. There's a name he bears in every situation. If I want to provide a situation, one of the things I've learned, that's it. Really, you know, the name of God. I have, I have a small assignment in my Bible. Anytime I'm reading, I stumble on the name of God or a description, or a description of the might of his name, his glory. I underline it in a unique color. I know these are the days of smart Bible, uh, smart devices. So my Bible is also smart. So I, there's a button I click. You see hundreds of those verses, just, they'll just line up one after the other. Describing the Lord. That's the first weapon of the intercessor. Second weapon. Now, I'll use three different words for it. The second weapon of the intercessor is the will or the plan or simply put, the word of the Lord. Let me go back again. The will or the plan or simply put, what? The word of the Lord. Daniel said, I, Daniel, understood by reading, he read the book of Jeremiah. He said, I understood the number of the years that the Lord had proposed that he will execute the desolation of Jerusalem. And that is 70 years. So he took that to God in prayer. I hope you're getting my point. Let me give an example. I was saying something last time that people start praying about Islamic prayer, Islamic agenda. I don't answer. I don't answer. Seriously. I've been in prayer before. We are praying. We have no fervent prayer. And somebody said, now we will pray against the Islamic agenda in this country. I shut my mouth. Did it, I didn't. That was it, logged out. I don't, honestly, I don't get involved. I don't get involved because I don't like praying prayers based on fear. I don't like prayer, praying prayers based on rumors. I said to us last time, everybody has a right to their agenda. And my understanding that God has released a decree. That the only thing that stops the Islamic agenda from progressing is where vibrant Christianity is spreading. 
lukewarm Christianity will be vomited out. The number of churches you have is not the issue. They are turning all of them to mosques in Europe. There was a time, it must have slowed down now because they've taken most of them. There was a time they were closed, I think, seven churches a week, or is it a month? And most of them being bought over, turning them to mosques. There are beautiful churches in different parts of Europe, especially UK and Germany, that they have become mosques. They didn't change anything, or they didn't repaint, they just removed the chairs, because they don't need the chairs. Put mats there. Remove all the crosses. Every other thing is still there. And people will be getting angry. Remember, anger lies where? In the bosom of fools. I, I, I don't get angry. It doesn't bother me. What doesn't bother me is that, is that building. God was never in the building. You know that. David Paulson said there was a time they spent, is it six million or pounds? I forgot the amount of money to re- renovate one beautiful cathedral in London. And God looked at the cathedral and said, let me show them what I think. And lightning struck on a clear day and broke something in the cathedral. Struck the building. I don't know whether the whole building caught fire. He said it was, inst- it was instructed because this, this is a, an ultra-modern renovation. They just put in the best lightning protect, protection, you know, device inside. Yeah, God said, let me show you people. On that day, there was no rain. The lightning just struck and knocked one major thing in the building down. David Paulson said, what was God saying to them? I am, don't live in houses made with brick and mortar. You can't be renovating the house. Meanwhile, your heart is not renovated. So it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. Why should it bother me? What should, what should bother me is the fact that you guys are no longer calling on the name of the Lord. So let the, what, what thing concern the building? Nobody was going there anyway. That was why they sold it. People now say, let us pray. That this thing must stop. When you start that kind of prayer, people looking at what should stop? Who will pay the taxes? Okay, let us pray that you'll be paying the taxes on the building. Look, 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 look. If you have the money, go and buy the building. Don't involve me in stupid prayer points. They sell every, listen to me, what I want to tell you, I'm not joking. God is my witness, I'm not lying. They sell all the beautiful churches in Nigeria and they turn them to mosques. I will not pray about it. I will not, I'm not lying. Why should I pray about it? You know why I won't pray about it? I know God does not live there. Baal should contend for himself. If the God is alive and that is his house, let's just go and collect it back. <laughs> I won't pray about it. You won't pray about it. Why? You think it matters? What matters is you, me, those of us who say we are pastors. How much truth are we telling? How much true gospel are we preaching? And some of those things are signs of what we are not doing. You want me to be chasing shadows? I will not join you. I shall be looking at you like this. No, it won't. No, I won't lie to you. It won't bother me. Why it will not bother me is that the church in itself is nothing. That building is nothing. The most important problem is what is going on? Why are the Christians no longer vibrant? I hope, I hope you get my point. That is a prayer point, not the building they are taking. It's a sign that you don't need. If you needed it, they wouldn't take it. Like I was saying earlier, why don't I join this Islamic I don't join it because it is a decree of the Almighty. They will always progress where Christianity is not hot. You can't stop it with prayer. The only way you can stop it is to heat up the Christianity. There's one the pastor used to say, when people will call him, say, are you dead? Say yes. 
So he'll ask you, you, are you still there in Abuja? Yeah, he'll ask you. And he gets insulted. He said, when last did I call you to ask whether you are still in Lagos? He said, come down. He said, listen, if I come down, he said, the thing you are afraid of will come and meet you there. He said, I'm the reason why you are still safe. He said, people like us are the reason why some things can't come down. So leave us. We are not complaining about our work. Like I said to people all the time, when you see men like that, stop telling them, come down. Send them money. Send them an offering. Ask them, what do you need? What will you do? I heard Pastor Kimote preaching a leading prayer earlier. That you see missionaries say that all they need to preach the gospel is a 70,000 naira, those days, motorbike. If you remember those days, that 70,000 could not buy the iPhone. Am I lying? It couldn't buy the iPhone. It couldn't buy the, the top of the ring Samsung. Yet we'll carry it and be brandishing it and telling the man who just needs the bike, come from there, come from there. God says if he leaves that place, the thing that you were afraid of that made you tell him to leave will come to your own house. Just shut your mouth and don't talk nonsense. Buy him that bike. Say, sir, we are praying for you. And not a matter of mouth, though. Like we were praying last time. You pray, say, God. Because God, Paul said, pray for us that we will be delivered because not all men have faith. So you join people like that to your prayer point. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, keep them. We ask you for legions of angels to surround them. Then you invoke the name of the Lord on their security. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so does the Lord surround his people. You keep on invoking that name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Every day you remember them, drop that line. Invoke God's name on their path. Say no evil shall befall them. Remember we're talking about God's promises now. Neither will any plague come near their dwelling place. The second thing I was saying that intercessors use is a promise of God. Why don't I pray? That's why I'm talking about it. Anybody say against Islamic agenda? I say no. We want to pray against Islamic agenda. We don't say Islamic agenda will rebuke you. No. What we simply do is take the scriptures of the increase of his government and of peace. There shall be no end. We we'll release that scripture again. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And it shall reign forever and ever. Those are the scriptures we used to fight in quote, in quote now, Islamic agenda. In quote, you know, fighting in quote. Because the real fight is in Luke chapter 10. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will do what? Send laborers into the harvest field. Like we're praying about earlier. Second um, Thessalonians chapter 3. Abi? Yes. Say pray for us that this gospel, let me read it again. Second thing we used to pray is what? The promises of God. The plan of God. The word of God. The will of God. That is the second thing we used to pray. He said, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. That's how you end Islamic agenda. It's not by rebuking the agenda. The agenda will progress. It will succeed except the church is hot and progressing. Except the church is hot and progressing. You cannot stop any other religion from advancing. 
Like I said last time, we, with one mouth say we don't want Islamic agenda, then we educate our children with pride in atheism. How many of us will be willing to tell our children, go to that school, scripture there is good. <laughs> what you are saying, the asked they strike. The engineering in Harvard is better. And you want the Islamic agenda to stop. If you were God, listen, who will you give the kingdom to? Think about it. People who in the, train their own children, they say to die in the cause of jihad is glory. You are training your own that to hide away from trouble. Is safety. Remember, God is a God of justice. He's a God of justice. What ends Islamic agenda? These are the scriptures we use. We use the power, the, 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 the plan of God. And we have seen it. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell. Now remember, the gates of hell assumes that the church is advancing. So we add that one to it. Lord of the harvest, send laborers into the harvest field. Send me into the harvest field. Help me to move into my own harvest field. That's how we pray. I'm one person that believes that Christian prayer, we need to order it. You know those ecclesia, ecclesiastical, is it? ecclesiastical prayers, you want the liturgical prayers, I wanted to say. They are good if we do them well. This cacophony we use, don't think it's superior to it too. There's a time for cacophony. There's a time for order. I hope you're getting my point. All of us, let's begin to pray. It has its own time. I'm not saying it's wrong. But don't think it is superior to when somebody says, everybody rise to your feet and begins to read scripture. Thus says the Lord. And you're praying about the situation. And he reads out the scripture and the whole church says, Amen. It's powerful. Like I've explained now, we take the name of the Lord over a situation. People can prepare prayer before coming to church. He said, hey, Chooks, you are going to be praying about the next elections. He said, okay. Based on the instructions we have heard, he gathers the scriptures. Some of those things are even stories. You just come and talk about the God that ordained David. The God that removed the kingdom from Saul. The God that caused a bed of prey from the east. And the man of his purpose from a distant country. The God of heaven who rules in the affairs of mankind. And everybody will rise and say, Amen. He is God. Over Nigeria, He is God. Over this nation, He is God. He declared that for 30 minutes. You think those people were not praying when they said, For the Lord is good and His mercies endure forever. And they keep on repeating it for 20 verses? Nothing wrong with that prayer. It's good, effective prayer. It becomes bad. And which even praying in tongues has become. When people are doing things mindlessly. They just have a prayer book they don't believe in. Never changed. No revelation, no understanding. That is all spoils those things. There are different kinds of prayers. All of them have their place. So when we are praying, we take the plan of God. We take what we have understood from scriptures. Like Daniel saw. He said, I, Daniel, understood by books. I understood what God said he would do. It became his prayer point. That's the second, that's the second one for time's sake. Let me rush through the last one and then we're out of here. And the last one I've called the power of righteousness. Now that one is very wide. Basically what we are saying 
In summary is this. God has given people the power to make requests of him. That's the third thing. Just say, Lord, do this, we ask you. It's a weapon. Do this, we ask you. If you see Moses, he took God's name, lifted it up. He now say, now I pray thee, pardon their iniquity. After he had declared the name of God. He had explained the plan of God from the fathers. Are you getting my point? And I said, now I'm asking you, pardon their iniquity. That's what I call the power of righteousness. That's the third weapon we have. People of faith, people that have drunk close to God, like we've been talking about, who have become important in God's eyes by their dedication to him. Sometimes they just make the request. Say, Lord, we ask of you, let peace reign upon this land. Simple requests. Simple requests. Three effective weapons of the intercessor. Let me go over them again. Number one, the name of the Lord. And remember we said before, we pray all the time. You can't finish your prayer. That is, you can't spoil your prayer by the things you do or say afterwards. We come to church, we rise to our feet, we declare the name of God upon the nation. We're not going, after we're not going outside. Say, in this country, there has to be rotatory presidency because there has to be equity. You know, PDP, you know, you start talking like, I'm sorry to use the expression, you now start talking like the fools we are talking about. Effectively nullifying the prayer you said the last two hours. That's why I said at the beginning, if you're an ambassador, you watch your tongue. If you're a military commander, you don't speak against the head of state. We talked about that. So your head of state is Jesus Christ in this context. You only speak his will. If you have elevated his name in prayer, you have declared his promises, his plan, and you have made your request, leave it there. You don't need, we don't need commentaries from your mouth. You don't know, you don't know enough to comment. You know that. No, you don't. Unless God gives you revelation. You just have, it's not a political thing. You have a lot of assumption. Just assume that this person should win. You know what this will make me laugh? God, God has been teaching us a lesson for a long time. Which you don't want to learn. Even me, I'm on your side. The one who said, I, I tell you, I, I usually vote for the losing person. I don't know why. But, you know, but my own, my prayer still works. You know why? I will tell you this, my vote is a statement. I don't know who I don't know who go win, who no go win. I just go and cast it. And we can, like I said, we can vote for anybody we like. God is not saying you must vote. Ah, what do you know? What do you know? A lot of our big bishops gathered around one candy last time. God said, hmm. I will, I'm not appointing the guy. If you like, all of you gather. Someone said, bring your voters card. God just watching everybody. He said, all of you. But I'll go to church and go and pray. <laughs> The power belongs to God. So we believers, when we finish praying, don't forget, you maintain your prayer even in your conversations. I pray sometimes, something some time ago, what I call a different dimension of prayer, our conversations. The Bible says, those that, when that fear the Lord spoke often one to another and the Lord heard. So even when you are conversing, the Lord is listening. So don't finish praying effective prayers, then do effective spoiling an average conversation. And that, that's one of the reasons why you must not drink beer. Beer is not good for you. There are different reasons you shouldn't be drinking beer. This is one of them. Some people have drunk beer. Alcohol does what you call, first time alcohol does to, to remove what you call your social inhibition. Your ability to control yourself. Alcohol removes it. It loosens your tongue. Thank you. That's why the Bible causes spirit. You know, be filled with the spirit. It's your Bible like that, right? 
the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So both of them are the same thing. A man that has drunk wine starts talking nonsense. But the one that's filled with the Word of God starts talking a lot, but this time around, he's talking the wisdom of heaven. When people have taken rubbish, just going around, they'll be ruining their prayer. Beer will spoil your prayer. Yeah, I warned you. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's rise to our feet. Let us pray. Let's rise to our feet. Let us pray. Everybody say the power belongs to God. Say it again. The power belongs to God. Say once he has spoken. Twice I have heard this. The power belongs to God. Let's declare it again. Say of the increase of his government. And of peace. There shall be no end. Let's declare the name of God over this nation. Say in the name of Jesus. God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is a governor among the nations. He chooses kings. He appoints kings. He removes kings. He changes seasons. He changes dynasties. And no one can ask him why. Because he is a governor among the nations. Say, we lift up his name over this nation. We say, Father. We say, Father. We say, Father. You are the governor. In this nation. Say it again. Say, you are the governor. In this nation. We recognize you. We recognize you. As a governor. In this nation. Say, according to your word. Let the gospel advance. According to the word of the Lord Jesus. He said. He said. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Said of of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. Say it again. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. Say as you have appointed the boundary of this nation, according to the number of the sons of the true Israel of God, Say, we the Israel of God in Nigeria, we lift our voices and declare, as the earth is the Lord's, Nigeria is the Lord's, in the name of Jesus Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, reign in this land. Lord Jesus, reign in Nigeria, from the north to the south, from the east to the west, every corner. Jesus reign. Jesus reign. Jesus reign. Because it is written, the earth is the Lord's. And he's the governor among the nations. The gospel progresses in this land. The gospel in this land will advance. It will spread quickly. It will spread powerfully. And as mountains melt like wax at the coming of the Lord, so will all the enemies be destroyed. So will all the enemies of the gospel be destroyed. Say, Lord, send laborers into the harvest. And for the laborers we pray. As a mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so does the Lord surround his people. 
He will give his angels charge concerning them. And they will keep them in all their ways. Say, there is none like the God of Israel who rise the heavens to help them. And through the skies in his majesty. Say, the eternal God is their dwelling place. And underneath them are his everlasting arms. Say, he will drive out the enemy from before them. Saying, let destruction overtake them. Say, they will dwell in the land of safety. Say, they will dwell in the land of safety. The laborers of this gospel will declare safety as their portion. In the name of Jesus Christ. He said, King of kings, Lord of lords, Lord of lords, Prince of peace, reign with peace over this land. Lord, let wars cease. Because your name is God who makes wars cease. You know that's what the Bible says concerning him. Listen, it is not the military that can stop Boko Haram. It's when we lift the name of the Lord over the situation. Say, Lord, concerning every affliction in this land, we lift up your name. You say, you are the one that makes wars cease. You are the one that makes wars cease. Say, Jesus, you are Lord. Upon this land, you are Lord. I want us to say this. Say, God, you are the blesser. You are the source of blessing. You are the source of bread. You are the one that breaks the staff of bread. Have mercy upon us. Yeah, it's not economic. It's not, uh, it, no, it is God. It's not economic policy. I said before, every ruler is appointed in each season to execute the decree of the Almighty. Is that decree that's most important? Is that decree that's most important? Let's give the Lord a thank. Let's go home. Say, Father, we thank you. Say, Father, we thank you. Say, Lord, we thank you. Say, Lord, we thank you. Say, Father, we give you praise. We give you praise because you have heard us. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Let's share the grace in fellowship. Those coming for the first time, that magazine given to you, the last inside page. At the bottom, that's page 11. You'll see the way we share the grace here. All right. At the close of meetings, this is how we share the grace. Are we ready? Now, I want to let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Quickly bless three people around you. Say, this is your season. Two more people say this is your season of dominion and manifestation. One more person, this is your season of multiplication, dominion and manifestation. One last one for yourself, this is my season. All right, Sarah, brethren.